Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada, and you are listening to episode 239 of the Matinee Cast. It's the movie-loving podcast of my movie-loving website, thematinee.ca, your home for cinematic passion and perspective. So how's your 2020 going so far? Did you stick to your resolution? Are you eating well? Working on the job quest? Are you gone without whatever that vice was that you swore off? Are you watching more classic films? Are you reading more books? If you have, awesome. Change is hard and even a little bit is wonderful. And if you haven't, don't dismay. We're just two weeks into 2020. There is lots of time to make this year anything you want it to be. Where this show is concerned, I'm happy to report that 2020 continues a trend I began at the end of 2019, which is to get old friends back on the show. Today's guest, besides being madly talented and madly productive, is someone near and dear to my heart. She's been a friend for about 20 years and has been good counsel, good company, and very good inspiration. She's even been nice enough to wander out into some truly nasty weather uh, to talk today. She is a writer, a producer, director, vlogger, and for all I know, she probably does personal finance on the side. Kelly Zimnikas is here. How are you, Kelly Zimnikas? I am good, and no, I don't do personal finance. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't added that to the no, portfolio yet? I would not uh, suggest living by my financial <laughs> rule book. <laughs> Lot, my, lot of lotto tickets and sifting yeah, through the couch. A lot of fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> that might be apt for the movie that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. On episode 239, we will be discussing uncut gems. We'll be flipping mm-hmm. the record over to play the other side uh, and learn more about Kelly. But before we get to any of that, um, uh, Kelly uh, and I are going to talk about something that's happening on the local film scene. Um, the movie that we're going to talk about today, Uncut Gems, you and I went to see it in separate cinemas, but you went to a place that's in our neighborhood here in Midtown Toronto. I, funny story. So, yes, our intent originally was to see it together. Yeah. You never told me what cinema we were going to. I could swear I did. And the second that you responded, I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. So when I found out it was playing at The Regent, which is on Mount Pleasant, uh, Mount Pleasant in Davisville, um, I was psyched because like vintage cinema, like mm. so excited. I love that theater. The, that both theaters actually owned by the same family. Oh, uh, the brother owns uh, or runs the Mount Pleasant, and then the sister runs the Regent. That's awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, the Regent though does tend to show more Oscar stuff they they show a lot of things like like we were saying they show like a lot of film festivals a lot of um like they're really uh big in terms of fostering um new filmmakers and new uh voices um and and then also kind of giving attention to stuff like uncut gems and i think last year i saw the wife there years past i saw faces places there last year the year before Mm -hmm. you know those kinds of like um, Oscar contenders, but not necessarily stuff that's got a really big multiplex push. Yeah, um, and they're you know they're they're a single screen cash only theater, mm-hmm. um, and they're not. I wouldn't say struggling is is a little bit of a grandiose term, but they're they're having a bit of a tough go. They are up for sale. The Regent oh, wow. uh, is up for sale, and uh, I've been part of this community group along with Councillor Josh Matlow. I live on the side of Mount Pleasant that Josh Matlow is counselor for. Okay. The side that the regent is on is Jay Robinson's ah, district now. Gotcha. So we're going to be now speaking with her. But I'm part of a community group that's trying to come up with ideas for possible new investors or current owners to maybe re, you know, kind of refocus what they're doing. Um, but we 
definitely want to save that theater and make sure it stays there because it's awesome to see a movie in a vintage cinema. Yeah. Tiff Bell White Box is fantastic. But as much as I can support like a one single screen cinema in my neighborhood. And last night I had this perfect idea of I'm going to go to the bell size and have a burger and a beer. Nope. <laughs> nope. Did not work out. <laughs> but. I mean, it's, it's kind of wild because we are now watching um, in Toronto, the Paradise Theater get this whole new yeah. renewal on Bloor and okay. Lansdowne, Bloor and Lansdowne area. I think so. Um, yeah. And I mean, they were shuttered for at least 10 years. It's this kind of renewal in, somewhat hipster-like boutique indie brand, you know, um, commodities and, and experiences and that kind of thing. Yeah. And it kind of feels to me like the Regent would really fit into that quite nicely. Absolutely. There's always that idea that everything old is new again. Mm -hmm. And now we've got, as you say, these, these youngsters discovering what I've always known is a really good thing, but there's maybe more of them to push it forward and take it in a new direction Maybe it could become one day like uh, a Hot Docs Midtown location or a Canadian Film Center spot mm -hmm. because this city is so filled with beautiful filmmakers and maybe films that wouldn't get the opportunity to be screened in, you know, a, like a varsity or yeah. something. So yeah. I think it's so necessary. And there's such a great community here that needs stuff like that on Mount Pleasant. Yeah, you know? I'm really hopeful. It's an area that lends itself to a lot of foot traffic and that always helps. Um, we've seen, yeah. along with the Paradise Theater that I brought up, we've seen theaters like The Review and The Royal Absolutely. really make a go of things in terms of getting um, programming, you know, like yeah. getting people to go and do these little monthly, uh, you know, like, films by like rom-coms by female directors like a dj night for cinema yeah totally. and, and we've seen several theaters around town make a go of it hopefully this can be the same so i think if we put contact info for me if anybody's interested in getting involved and in being a part of this group to to take the region in a new direction um okay. they could definitely reach out so definitely if you're interested in this there will at least be a link for the regent's um yeah. uh site uh in the show notes and you can always reach out to kelly if you're local and you want to get involved um speaking of kelly it's time to get a little bit to know a little bit about her this is not your enemy Okay, so I screwed up a little bit uh, when I went to do this part of the show. Kelly was on the show um, almost 100 episodes ago on episode 142. Uh, we talked about Trainwreck with our yes. friend Aaron Nora Thompson. We went around the corner for uh, wine and pizza. Um, and I was under the impression that when I had you both on there, because it was your first time on the show, that I gave you the first round of questions for Night Grinding. I did not. I gave you each three questions that were kind of this little cross section of both. Uh -huh. So <laughs> if you want to go back and listen to that, you'll get to that. And um, when we get you back on, we'll, we'll figure out some way to cool. backtrack, but you were doing round two, even though it's your first full <laughs> round of questions. So Kelly Zimnikas, what is a film that you dig that seemingly nobody else does? Tron. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and no, they don't. <laughs> You have a deep love affair with that movie. I, I, I actually knew what that answer was going to be I, when I emailed you. I tried to think of something else, and I'm like, no, it's Tron. 
uh, possibly win a date with Tad Hamilton as a second option, <laughs> um, which is a great rom-com. But I have loved, I saw Tron, I was probably six. Okay. I think when I first saw it and I was mesmerized by this computer world and robots. And so something of seeing it that at that age just latched onto me and it, I become a kid when I watch that movie again. Right. So I dragged uh, my boyfriend at the time when it got revamped in the cinema. So I made him go see the, the reboot of how'd, Tron. How'd that go? He hated it. But <laughs> I was more a fan. <laughs> it's one of those things just like, it's like comfort food. It is. Tron for me is complete comfort food. <laughs> and I mean, like, let us let us spell this out here because like, mm-hmm. you have a deep affection for this. Like, I've, I've seen you have, like, you know who the composer, and I think the composer, like, you found out the composer is trans now or something? Uh, like, you, yes. you've got, like, a deep well I, of Tron I knowledge. I do. I believe for, I think, my 32nd birthday, I requested everybody write me a Tron haiku. <laughs> Um, my yep. mom opted out of that and gave me like the behind the scenes right. like footage. Like right. she made a book about it. Yes. Um, I know that the uh, the sequel, quote unquote, to Tron wasn't the movie that came out in cinemas. It's actually the video game oh. that was released. Okay. That is That's the actual Tron sequel. Okay. This is the third that wow. was the last one that came out. So I'm I'm that person i know about I the mean, easter eggs and like the scenes i, and... I do love it because <laughs> you know like it, it's not the like light you're... cycles i love <laughs> <laughs> you're not trying to troll people like you like you said it's comfort food it's something that speaks to like the 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 kid in you yeah. um at one time like when we were kids that was pretty darn cool mm-hmm. i mean it's 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 failing now is that it's so hung on tech and you know 1980 computer animation yes. that has now like it's not that now it's quaint now it's actually like kind of ramshackle yeah but still it's you know i think it's why i love the matrix so much because it's that idea of going inside the system right. and and that idea of like when you got like looped into the computer okay. and the mainframe and uh, oh, oh, i love I, it I, 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 I might need to rewatch <laughs> tron just because um all right what is the flip side of this what is a film that everybody else digs that you don't and i'm afraid to say this, this for nope. the fear of being kicked out of this room absolutely not this is a safe place <laughs> this is a nest this is we value conversation okay <laughs> i'm i don't want to say but there's please, no please do oh you sure yes okay go ahead you can do this Casablanca. Oh wow! Okay, we need to talk about that because we haven't <laughs> talked. I think we've talked about Napoleon Dynamite on the show. We need to talk about Casablanca. Okay. There's one other person I know. He was. He still owns a diner in downtown Toronto. Is it called Casablanca Sucks? It no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't find it interesting at all. Okay. I think it's beautifully shot. Yeah, I yeah. think the music is fantastic. Yeah. It is my least favorite Bobert movie. Okay. I mean, I know um, somebody has always contended that it's not as romantic as it seems because Rick does a lot of what he does to win the bet. Yeah. Right? Um, so th- there, there is that. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's kind of part of the thing is, like, do you believe that Rick won the bet or, like, did mm-hmm. it to win the bet or that Rick is at heart a romantic? It, 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 yeah, you I know. Mean- the, the film paints him as a cynic, and then at the end you're supposed to believe that he just, like, dropped all of that because Ingrid Bergman. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. No, yeah. it's I but I, it's one of those classics that I glaze. Like I just I'm like thinking about you And you've know, given it a couple kicks. Like it's not I like you saw it when have. you were sixteen and, and you I, said screw I this can't movie. Do it. I can't. Okay. I've seen Gone with the Wind easily fourteen times. Right. I love classic films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, that's one that's movie one that I'm like, nope. Oh wow! And I remember confiding this to the the fellow who runs the diner. He's like, I don't like it either. I was like, I think you were, we are the only two people <laughs> who don't like this movie. Um, I think. I mean, the only thing that the only reason why that does surprise me mm -hmm. is as a writer that seems like it would be up your alley because it's got like so many of those lines, right? Like it, it, it does, but, and it, for me, it doesn't work. Hmm. Yeah. So it's so it's I'm, the kind of thing where you're saying lines good, story not so much. Yeah. Huh. It just doesn't work for me. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Do you like, do you like get into arguments over that with people? Like, I rarely bring this up. Wow. Cause I'm, and, and there was a time where I couldn't say I didn't like Napoleon Dynamite for fear. Oh well, yeah. Like, Cause everybody, everybody was, yeah, everybody was doing that thing. <laughs> I mean, and, and that, that I get, you know, like even I, I do, I always try to put myself in somebody else's shoes. Mm -hmm. when like, I don't like it because of A, B, C, D, and E. Yeah. And, you know, I usually just say, as long as you can articulate why it doesn't work for you, then that's the end, mm -hmm. right? I'm interested yeah. to know why it doesn't work because sometimes maybe somebody will point something out mm -hmm. that all of a sudden it doesn't work for me. Yeah. Um, I feel like Casablanca's got like all the all the things that are good that I like. Yeah. But it just and together it just doesn't taste good. Yeah. It's not the right. I'm doing a lot of food things. <laughs> no, no. I, 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 I totally, you know, listen, I totally get that. I'm not a big fan of tzatziki. But yet everything that goes into tzatziki, I like right. on its own. Just yeah. don't put them together. Yeah. You know? I like there you my, go. It's my tzatziki. There you go. There we go. Okay. I like this. <laughs> Kelly, what was the last movie to make you cry? I got to go with the Linda Ronstadt doc. That just came out, The Sound of My Voice. I didn't see it. You, oh. I need, okay. Yeah, oh. <laughs> I, I, I've grown up knowing who Linda Ronstadt is, not really knowing her discography that right. well, but knowing... So I have a full girl, girl crush on Linda Ronstadt now. Huh. This woman's amazing. Hmm. Uh, Got to give that woman props. Okay. Yeah. Uh, where'd you see it? Do you remember? Or did you just watch I, it at home? I watched it at home, but it's playing at. It was playing at the Mount Pleasant Theater oh, not okay. too long ago. Fantastic documentary. Do, do docs? I mean, like you, you're you're involved in producing one now. Do mm -hmm. docs often really hit you hard in that kind of way? I, I'm a news junkie. I I have cried watching the news uh, <laughs> for sure i, <laughs> I cry during commercials Aww. i cry a lot okay do, I, is this, do we, should we talk about this <laughs> or i feel like we're, I feel like we're making good progress today <laughs> couch over there we can move the whole operation <laughs> just 10 yards that way and we're all set but a good documentary a good human interest story mm -hmm. yeah for it's, sure it's funny like i mean that, that's I'm very empathetic so I'll, if i really connect with someone yeah okay. i'm there with you or a commercial or a commercial um <laughs> i mean it's it's one of those things that i've always um been interested in 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 documentary is that i feel like sometimes people don't people sometimes can well like they'll, they'll distance themselves more than a right. fictional story yeah. right like they'll they'll really get deeply invested into a fictional story mm -hmm. because it's surprising yeah. or who knows? But when it comes to a documentary, sometimes they're a little bit more distant. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm distant. I, I do mm -hmm. get invested. It's been a while since a doc got me in that yeah. way. Mm -hmm. um, but um, 
Now, I mean, now I'm curious yeah, to, to see I the Lindsay Ronstadt one. I love it. Uh, sorry, what was it called again? I believe it's called The Sound of My Voice. Gotcha. If I'm not mistaken. Okay. I think it's called um, So this was a question that I asked you last time. So now mm-hmm. I'm actually kind of curious to see if the answer is the same. But in the movie of your life, who plays you? Uh, probably my doppelganger, Kirsten Dunst. Oh, the answer has changed. Okay. Um, (laughs) She looks so much like me from a side profile. I I totally see it now. (laughs) It's got to be her. (laughs) Do do we have a a Dunst vintage that you want to go with? Do you want to go with, like, Interview with the Vampire Dunst? Do you want to go with, like... Spider-Man. Spider-Man Dunst? Yeah. You want to go, like, red hair? Yeah. Because your hair was red. My hair's been red. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, as long as you're not going with like melancholia dunce, then I, no. I, th- I think we're, uh, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I love that movie, but I can only go to that place Spider-Man, so many times. Spider-Man, Spider-Man dunce. <laughs> Last but not least, what is yes. a movie that uh, you're watching next? I have to preface this by saying I genuinely miss going to a video store. Me too. Like the blockbuster days. Yeah. Because yeah. I saw so many more things. Mm-hmm. Looking at titles, just picking based on a cover. Um, so I got myself a membership to a Bay Street video. Oh, okay. So I have been going through, uh, a star is born chronologically. Ah, nice. And I'm now at Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga's version. Okay. Which you didn't see last year when it dropped. No, because I, I decided I was like, "Ah, I'm going to. Well, if uh, yeah. I, I don't usually do this on the show, but if I could plug my own work, uh, we did an episode last fall where um, friend of the show, uh, Lisa Ferreira, she came by and we talked about um, the big three. We talked about the Judy version, the mm-hmm. Barbara version, and then the new one. Yeah. So we did a whole episode dedicated to the the, cool. the three. Now, I know that there's... Have you seen the first two? I ha- I've seen... What's the one that's not called A Star is Born? It's called like, it's In the Good called, Old Summertime? No, it's called either... Mm, it's either What Price Hollywood or right. What For Hollywood. But this story's crazy. Okay. So David O. Selznick produced that one and then took the story to the company that ended up making the very first A Star is Born. Right. I don't know legally what the, <laughs> what the rules are for this. Yeah, yeah. But he basically was like, here you go. Yeah. And so um, he just took it to this other studio. That version is one of the best romantic comedies I've seen. Okay. And if you watch them in order, yeah. I don't know what the Cooper one's like, but watching the Streisand one, you never would have guessed it had its beginnings as... It did. Okay. It's so sharp and so funny. Huh. Um, and then the director of the initial one, again, it was either What Price Hollywood or What For Hollywood, directed the Judy Garland version. Uh, George Kakur. Yeah. So that's oh, that wow. connection there. Okay. And uh, did you know that Garland wanted uh, Cary Grant to play opposite her? Wasn't he kind of old by then? I mean, James Mason is old. She... I don't know how old he was, but he didn't want to do it just based on her uh, inconsistencies. Oh, well, wonderful. Yeah. And um, then Streisand wanted Elvis. Oh, I would have watched the shit out of that movie. That would have been such a... Burr, oh, I, I did oh not like that version. Lord. I would have watched the holy hell out of that yeah, movie. Yeah, that would have been phenomenal, but his manager said no. Oh, my God. Yeah, geez. the colonel said no. I like... The things about the Barbara one, um, I love the holy heck out of the Judy one. I've never oh, seen Oh, that was your... like a box of bonbons. Yeah. Like yeah. that was just 
that woman acted the heck yeah. out of that role. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and sung the heck out of that role, yeah. right? Like, um, she gave everything. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and yeah, I will be curious what you think of of the new one. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do think it's really good. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that as far as hanging a movie on a song, it, it like if, if this film was constructed to say, we are going to make a star out of this woman because of how she can sing, mm-hmm. then constructing that hit from top to bottom was like Hollywood perfection. Yeah. And yeah, enjoy going to Bay Video. Because... Oh, I've seen so many great films oh. just doing that, just flipping through it. And occasionally they offer a free rental, oh. which is super cool. We are just plugging the heck out of everything Toronto to see this episode. I like it. <laughs> to include a link for them too. Yeah. Hey, why not? Let's go to the show notes. Oh, totally. link to Bay Video. Go down and get your little movie card. Yeah. They laminate it. Yeah. Just like it. they used to do. Do it. It's all good. All right. That's more about <laughs> Kelly. We'll learn more when we get her back next another time, including possibly their questions for round one that I completely negated because it's a new year and I'm still half asleep. Um, but we're going to move on to the new slang in this episode. And the new slang is Uncut Gems. Come on back, right? Let's... Uncut Gems is directed by Josh and Benny Safdie. It's written by the Safdie brothers along with Ronald Bronstein. It stars Adam Sandler, Rachel Fox, Adina Menzel, Lakeith Stanfield, Eric Bogosian, and Kevin Garnett. Yes, that Kevin Garnett. Uncut Gems is about Howie Ratner, that's Sandler. He's a Manhattan Diamond District jeweler. Howie's life is an absolute shitstorm of business deals, dysfunctional family, a failing marriage, an intense affair, and hustle after hustle after hustle. As we arrive, Howie has got his mitts on something really special, an uncut Ethiopian black opal. It cost him a small fortune, and Howie figures he can flip it for a big fortune if only he can get all his ducks in a row. Turns out that's a man-sized if. Problems abound. For starters, there's basketball legend Kevin Garnett, here playing himself, who likewise becomes obsessed with the stone. He swaps it for his championship ring and keeps it close, believing that it'll elevate his game in the 2012 NBA playoffs. As if KG playing keep away isn't enough, Howie also has to deal with a loan shark named Arno, that's Bogossian. Arno, or specifically Arno's muscle, keep on Howie's ass at every turn looking to get the money they owed. Finally, there's Harry's marriage to Dina and Howie's affair with Rachel. And if you need me to spell out why that's a problem, well, I'm afraid that's a whole other show. Can Howie ever get things to go his way long enough and close this deal? Well, it all depends on the way the ball bounces. Uncut Gems is a movie that is abrasive. It opens with chaos and a colonoscopy. Yes, really. And continues on with cacophony for a good long while. Howie himself is an absolute shitstorm of bluster and bravado. And often you wish he would just shut up. Walking through the threshold of this film is not pleasant. And yet... I say it is a walk worth taking. So, pop quiz hotshot, why would one do that? Why would one put themselves into an abrasive situation for pleasure? Because Adam's dramatic Adam Sandler is a gift. Okay, okay. Comedic Adam Sandler, I've got a soft spot for Opera Man and, you know, the Hanukkah song. His comedic movies I would rather not go to. I, right. I'm just not a fan. Yeah, yeah. But dramatic Adam Sandler 
when that Hanukkah gift presents itself, you got to take it. it up. Okay. Yeah. It's so good. Um, to answer my own question, I thought about, um, I thought about an exchange on a show that I've almost forgotten about. Um, back in the first or second season of house, there's a, there's a, a few episodes where his ex is played by Celia Ward and she wanders into the fray and she talks about their relationship and mm-hmm. she compares him to Curry Vindaloo. She says, it's abrasive. It's really <laughs> spicy. You have too much of it and you're basically just going to like scrape the roof off your mouth yeah. and you will not want to go back for a while, but you eventually will because it's just, it's so good. And so it, it leaves its mark on you. Yeah. You know, um, well, that, it's like watching a car accident. Yes. There's yeah. something to it. We yes. slow down. Oh, yes. We want to... You're watching a car accident. Like you this are, is, because this movie, you're watching that car crash because every time that car flips and careens and spins, in the back of your brain, you're still thinking, it might still land wheels down. There's, there's these little poofs of... Oh, there's hope. Yeah. And then he just like goes off the cliff. Yeah. And then or, the car starts flipping. Yeah. Like, oh, it's so geez. strange. Yeah. But this is, yeah, this is my thought is it is a film that is designed to elicit a true visceral reaction. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot of movies these days are packaged in a way that we kind of know what we're getting into when we, when we start and, yeah. you know, you know, sometimes we even know where they're going to end, right? Mm-hmm. If it's a movie that's remade. Yeah. I had no idea where this was going. I I didn't either. <laughs> you know, I didn't either. Even though I kept telling myself, like, like I kept saying under my breath, dude, just stop. Just stop. Just cut now and go. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, even me, like I could have left. Well, the guys times. beside me in the cinema were laughing yeah. so much in this movie. <laughs> and maybe it's because I don't I don't know, maybe it's just I don't know if it's because they were guys and they found this a lot funnier of a movie. I was watching it from just the Oh God! Just yeah. like head in your hands. Like no. Yeah. Um, I take it you enjoyed this movie. I really did. It. I didn't notice it at first, but the music, the soundtrack to this movie, took me back to like. I'm a big fan of the film The Conversation. Mm, yeah. And for me, it had this quality of like I could have seen like. Coppola making this in the 70s. Sure. Like it had that, and the music did it too, that synth soundtrack that kind of sounded like a video game at times, which played into the whole game aspect of of this man's life. And then there were dashes of it being a little like operatic, but it it took me back to like those like 70s grittier films that I do really enjoy, like a good drama, good like a good film with some meat to it. And uh, yeah. And I didn't see that end coming. No. I, oh, man. I, I was happily surprised because yeah. I wasn't entirely sure what I was getting myself into. Like, I, I'd heard a lot of people talking it up since it premiered at TIFF. Yeah. I mean, even three weeks ago, um, Pete Davidson dropped, like, name-dropped it during, he during did. the weekend update, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Is he in the movie? No. <laughs> I mean, he could have been. Like, he could have been. There's a lot of people that come and go for a second. So yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, but... I and, and I mean especially the the opening act of this movie. I really wasn't sure what the heck I was getting into because it just seemed so much. There's like conversations happening over conversations, like you said. That music that seems to be turned up like one or two points too yeah. loud, uh, and he's just you know everybody's talking, everybody's moving. It's a very fluid movie. Like it didn't feel like there was a whole lot that was locked off. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to lie. The first few minutes, I thought I was in the wrong cinema. <laughs> so I was like, what? Where are we? Yeah. What is going there's a whole preamble to this yes. movie that, that we see, like, the acquisition of the, the actual stone. Which has an interesting callback in the way the movie ends. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's saw, an I, interesting callback. At, I know. I did notice that, too. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's this weird, it's this very strange preamble that seems to have nothing to do with yeah. anything else that's coming. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, this... I, I do wish I'd seen this film before we did the year-end show because it certainly would have been in my conversation of one of the best films of last year. I can totally now see why people are saying that, you know, Sandler did something really special and these mm -hmm. filmmakers did something really special and it's a, yeah. it's a wonderful story and yeah. like, wonderful execution. Um, you brought up earlier on Sandler himself. Yeah. Um, he seems to be in this movie kind of, flailing about on the edge right like always just trying to talk himself into or out of something um but you really get an idea of his talent as he's doing that mm -hmm. his ability to play that classic new york sales guy of, mm. of just talking a really good game of having his stuff all under control on the surface and you get these we start to get these glimpses of the, the chaos. Like he, he talks really well to this guy and then underneath there's seven people after him that he's got to, you know, like yeah, put yeah. out all these, these fires. But he just, I, I, I almost sort of felt like he's probably the guy who's like really studied the art of the deal. I, I totally believe that Howie yeah. has a copy of The Art of the Deal. Oh, I, I absolutely believe yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, he knows the right things to say. Mm. And and that's one great skill, but uh, it's not going to get you no. <laughs> that far. I mean, it's, it's funny. Like, he's not playing himself. You know, like, it's it's one no. thing. It's one thing, like... This is a great character. It is. Piece. It is. It's, it's oh, kind of like... So um, another film of his that I really enjoy is um, Funny People, mm -hmm. the, the, the Judd Apatow one that he yes. did that was a little bit more serious as well. Yeah. Um, and that one, he's more or less just playing himself mm -hmm. and, and able to find the yeah. sympathy and the pity and the pathos in, in that yeah. version of Adam He's Sandler. totally lost in this oh, other yeah. dude he's, in this You know, this his hair is doing something. His facial hair is doing something. His clothes are doing something. The mm -hmm. way he, you know, the way he seems to be trying to hustle everybody yeah. His like his friends, his family, his business partners. Mm -hmm. um, the, even just when he's talking to Kevin Garnett, you know, there's there's sometimes where he's trying to like buy from him. There's sometimes where he's trying to sell yeah. to him, and he really just gets his <laughs> pardon the pun gets his teeth into this character. Um, you know, right down to having mm -hmm. these really weird, ultra bright fake teeth in his mouth. <laughs> um, it's incredible to see. It's it's wild. It's such a treat with a guy like Adam Sandler, who you you know you know really well as you know maybe that SNL character or you know a comedic role that he's played. You kind of forget that's him mm -hmm. for me, which is lovely. It, yeah. You know when it's someone of that stature who's not like I, I find Steve Carell's kind of become that guy who mm -hmm. just get gets lost in that role when I initially knew him so well as the dude from The Daily Show or what have you. But <laughs> right. um, it's a wonderful character. And he does so well at this. You can't look uh, away. Like you want, no. like you said, like you have your head in your hands and you just want him to shut up. But at the same time, you're like, 
Okay, it's you're like close. Bloody, yeah, you like don't just, just, just yeah. Just, just put the cards oh. in. <laughs> just was there a moment in the story where you like you really wanted them to just cut bait and run? I thought there would have been a moment um, when he went to the the family gathering when his wife's in the bat mitzvah dress that she's trying on that she fit into. Was that her? Did I did I hear that was her own? Yeah. Oh my god. And I had this moment where I was like, I wanted to high five Adina like on the screen because <laughs> like for my fortieth, I was like, I'm gonna fit into the outfit I wore to my high school prom. Right. I was at that and party. I did. And you did, and it was amazing. And, and you, I was like, you go, the- girl. <laughs> I mean, like, that's the thing about this movie. I like that details like that yeah. are in this movie. Because you don't usually get that kind of shift. No. Right? And I, to a degree, I wanted a bit more of that. I would have loved to have seen where this guy started to unravel. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because you got that in the family moments um, when, you know, they're at, like, the kids the kids play. Um, and a part of my brain when they were in that scene where they were at the play and the, the money comes out of her mouth, I had this moment of like, is he going to go and pick up that stuff off the stage? <laughs> well, because, he's, because he's just done so many crazy things up until then, right? Yeah. It seems like something. But, yeah. Yeah, but I the, wanted to know a bit more of like where this wheel fell off, of mm-hmm. where the addiction started, where the... That I would have loved to have had. Yeah, it's it, it's it's that kind of thing of, you know, so we're, we're talking about there's... A scene, uh, it's about two-thirds of the way into this movie where mm-hmm. they're at Passover. Um, I mean, first of all, the, the awesome thing about this film is that is the moment where you learn how his relationship with Arno is formed. Which, oh, first yeah. Which, props, because that was, that, that was a neat little inclusion that I did not see coming. <laughs> For me, I was like, is that... The guy, oh god, <laughs> he's like right across from him. Yeah, yeah. Like, Arno is like he's kind of this. He might. He's just kind of a presence yeah. for most of the first part of this movie. I mean, one time about halfway in, mm-hmm. he finally shows up, but he's usually in name only or a voice yeah. on the phone. Um, and then, yeah, it, at, at that that play with his kid, Arno finally shows up in his car, mm-hmm. and we get to Passover, um, which is surprisingly peaceful considering the bluster that's been going on around this guy i know did you get the impression that no one knew i got i totally got the impression that nobody in that room had any idea what was going on between howie and arno certainly certainly not dina certainly not his dad Uh they had no idea what was happening between the two because there's even a there's you know in one of those things of acting without without opening your mouth there's an incredible look between Arno and Howie at that Passover table. Absolutely. Um, that it's just like, all right, we're doing this. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel like like the adults were keeping it protected for the kids. Like no. I feel like genuinely nobody yeah. knew. Whereas, I mean, it's funny that you say that because Dina and Howie are keeping their marital troubles quiet from the yeah. kids for most of this movie. Yeah. You know? Um, so much lies. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's oh nuts. my God. Yeah, right at that moment. It's the subtitle for this movie. So lies. <laughs> <laughs> right in that moment of Passover, you have just so many things crossing. You have, you know, Howie and, and Arno are in the same place. He's having this conversation with Dina about their relationship as she's in her bat mitzvah dress. And yeah, you think that that's the moment where it's all just going to stop, yeah. right? That they're going to figure out, all right, this is how we do this. And this is how we finally just 
close this and move on. Yeah, part of me is wondering, like, how the heck did they write this? Like, I have no idea. <laughs> like, what pie chart did they have I, on their wall? Yeah, yeah, I have <laughs> no idea. The only other movie I've ever seen by the Safdie brothers is Good Times, and it, and mm -hmm. it has bits of this but now knowing that they can write something like this oh god i'm, I'm in for any movie so they make. complicated um, and so delicious like just, yeah yeah um there are there are two uh just unforgettable women in this movie um we've been talking about dina so we may as well stay with her dina mm -hmm. menzel mm -hmm. um there's times where i kind of think that she doesn't quite have enough to do but in true dina menzel fashion she makes the most of it anytime that she does Oh, even just when she's microwaving the chicken, she turns around and gives him that smile. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Then the daughter comes in. To... Yeah. Yeah, she she does a, an incredible amount with just being, I guess, the only adult in the room mm. for the benefit of her family and like, okay, I'm going to put on that smile and like, you know what the smile means. <laughs> it's, it's that classic... Uh, politician wife when yes. they're when they're giving the I just got caught with the intern yeah everything's kind of, fine yeah everything's yeah. fine it, yeah. it is all under control yeah. I know about this we yeah. have had an adult conversation meanwhile she just wants to kill him yeah I, uh, I imagine there's like you know on the DVD there's gonna be like you know optional footage of her just drinking yeah <laughs> <laughs> um did you, I mean like did she have enough to do for you or like I mean there we could have had a whole other movie just about her I think it goes back to my just wanting one little nugget of seeing earlier in their family, mm. like a little, maybe a little flashback scene. Sure. I would have loved to have seen just one little bit more to get me down the road. I was already careening <laughs> down. <laughs> like, you know, there, there's a scene like when she's talking to him in, in their, uh, in their family's home again on Passover, mm -hmm. uh, we keep coming back to that one scene. Yeah. I think people are going to think it's like the, the wedding scene in the deer hunter. Um, <laughs> when she's talking to him at Passover, yeah. she, you know, she's like, well, maybe I can hit you and things will be better. Mm -hmm. Right. And she actually like flinches to hit him and yeah. he like ducks. Yeah. I was like, she probably hit him at some point in his life and he probably deserved it. Mm -hmm. You know? Oh, he definitely. Yeah, of course yeah. he did. Um, and He's then along mess. with Dina, we have Julia, played by Julia Fox. Mm -hmm. um, kind of her debut performance. She's got one other credit to her name. This woman's amazing. She's fantastic. Yeah. She's absolutely fantastic. And um, she's got a heart of gold. Mm. She's, I don't know if she was the, the reason for marriage issues or if they would have crumbled before he met her. But I don't feel like she's the first. No. You know, when I look at that marriage and I look at that relationship yeah. and how he's operating, I don't feel like that's the first time he stepped out on yeah. his wife. She sees something in uh, in Adam's character that uh, I, I'm going to assume maybe... Adina first saw when they met. Like, there's a purity about her, even though she's, you know... Not necessarily a good a good person in the white size, <laughs> but um, she's got really pure intentions. What I like about her, though, is that she's not just hanging back, uh, you know, waiting for Howie to be the be all and end all. Like when we first see her, it's like she's you can tell that she's got her own. Um, oh, she's a mess too. She's a mess but too. She's got. She's a mess too. But I mean, at the same time, like she she's trying to push herself to something better that she's not just hanging on to this 50 year old married guy. Yeah. It, it's kind of, it's, it's the story of somebody who has like 16 side hustles, 
right? Oh, Try, yeah. Trying to make yeah, yeah, one yeah. of them their main hustle. And you know, like everything from like how she's like she says like oh i was talking to this guy and i was talking to this guy and she goes to hang out with the weekend and mm-hmm. i don't feel like you know at that party where she's with the weekend that she's really just into the weekend although she is mm-hmm. you know it's like she's into the weekend because she thinks the weekend can do something for her yeah you know yeah. and yet a lot of this she does without explicitly saying yeah she's not uh, free from from drama or um or poor decisions but oh, no. i found she was I I liked her. Like I didn't I didn't hate her character. I didn't want her to, you know, get taken out and and you know not seen again. Uh, I I felt for her because she's she can do so much better. She can do a whole <laughs> lot better. And I mean, you can tell that how he's using her, right? Like the same way that yeah. he eventually tells her get out of the apartment. Um, you know, he, he does it in a, in just like a stone cold way. Yeah. She doesn't turn it into like, she could easily start some drama there. Yeah. But, I mean, and that's, that's a, another one of those little clues as to how Julia operates is that she can flip the script on him at any yeah. time. She's pretty powerful. She's incredibly she's powerful. very, very powerful. You know, and, and to say like, she doesn't quit. That's, that's the other thing too. It's like, she works for him. Even after all of this goes yeah. to pot, she's still, she's still there. Working she's like, for him. I'm staying here, buddy. Yeah, she's like, yeah. you're going to pay me. You know, I work for you. You're going to, you're either going to fire me or you're going to keep paying me and looking at me. Yep. You know, it's, it's an, it's a really well crafted character. She nails it. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, like, welcome to the show, Julia Fox. Looking forward to seeing more <laughs> of your stuff. Um, and then in the middle of all this, we have Kevin Garnett. Yes. Um, doing, you know, his Kevin Garnettiest. This is an incredible basketball movie underneath everything else. In in the way that some of the best baseball movies are not actually about baseball. It's, it's a subtle basketball movie. <laughs> well, it's I mean, it's it's I'm great that it, it it plays with it plays with a couple things. Like it plays with like the opulence of being a pro athlete because mm-hmm. in walks this guy who has yeah diamonds in his ears that are like the size of my thumbnail and the side as as the side of the the basketball game that as a fan you're not going to be so privy to you get this insider's look on on you know um things that are going to bring you good luck and and betting and and there's you see that back end mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to the game that well you see how cool. they you know like athletes are fragile little egos Right, yeah. athletes believe that if they don't eat this the right pregame meal, that they're going to have a bad game. Yeah. Or if the you know if they can't have their two p.m. nap, that they're going to have a bad game. And any little thing can set that off. Sometimes mm-hmm. for better, sometimes for worse. Yeah. And Kevin Garnett was always this player about bravado. Like you, you see the way he talks. If you see the way there's an interview with him an on-court interview with him that ends this movie mm-hmm. um, where he's talking as like an absolute chest thumping yeah. badass. It's yeah. like, that is the guy who we've come to know. So seeing him, you know, literally playing keep away with this rock mm-hmm. yeah, and talking about how every, everything from how he needs it. Cause it's helping him go off for 20 points yeah. to that moment where he just sees his entire life. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> flips like pictures of him in high school i'm like that's a nice touch there um you know it's it's crazy because you never know what you're gonna get out of a pro athlete Mm -hmm. and i feel like he was used just enough when that ring the the the, when his championship ring kind of like gets out of out of his hands that was the thing that i was i was so afraid i'm like someone's gonna get 
slaughtered for this. Yeah. 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 Because that's not the kind of thing that can be replaced. No. Um, and, and I mean, that's the thing I like is that this movie has Kevin Garnett's championship ring as not even the MacGuffin, not even the Maltese Falcon. It's this kind of like faux MacGuffin. Yeah. That's like, oh, we got that. And we know where it is. And it's not where it's supposed to be, but that's okay. Yeah. We got it. Like, yeah. I mean, that's whole, that's Howie's whole ethos. Yeah. In exactly. One <laughs> you know, it's okay. I know where it is. I, I got, got it. it. It's all right. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Um, at the end of it all, Garnett gets to be the person who is our questioning conscience for Howie. When, when, when he's talking, when, when the deal finally goes yeah. down, um, to get him his ring back and, and everything. He's the one who says, how are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And yeah. he nails it. Yep. You know, he's the one who's able yeah, to, to, to say, how can you take a, something from a place where they have nothing, give them basically nothing, and now you're looking to get a whole lot more something. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. He's totally read the art of the deal. Yeah. <laughs> 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 this whole movie is like that. I found in the film that he had all these moments, these these various moments presented itself for him to change, okay. for him to do better. Like in the shop, he had that other coworker who kind of called him out on his behavior and went to work in the other shop. Like there was that guy who is... He's younger. He's worked for him for a few years. Yeah. He gets his shirt torn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I just found there were, there were moments like that or... Or being around, um, being around uh, his father, Gooey. Gooey, yeah. Or or going back to that moment with the dress and uh, Adina, um, or with um, I don't know what the other one was, but there were these 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 brief interludes of like you have the possibility to walk away, to do something different, to change your life. And he's so hooked on that rush, that feeling, I'm going to make everything okay. And he's, it, he's got blinders on. He's not able to see the disaster, all these explosions around him, all the guys on the camera who are like wanting money from him and he's spending them off at every single chance he can get. And, uh, I just felt so sad for this guy ultimately. Here's a guy who should change at some point. You know, like like he's getting call after call after call to stop mm -hmm. his his poor behavior. Whatever that poor yeah. behavior it is, whether it's you surround yourself with toxic people or you're, you know, you're you're addicted to something damaging, there is there is just point after point after point where you can walk away from it. Yeah. And I think some people like his character, you just you can't save them. Mm -hmm. They're destined for this direction. They're, they're helpless. Mm. And I, I truly, I really felt sad for this guy. He had on the surface a lot, a lot of things that walking by him, you'd be very envious of. Absolutely. He's got a really nice house. He's got, you know, he's got some terrific kids. He's got a gorgeous wife. He's got a business. Yeah. You know, it's like, dude, just take your blessings and go. And you, you know, can't. No. It's, it's this strange thing. It's like, I can't remember what I was watching recently that was talking about um, the 80s and how... I was just about to reference the 80s. And how the yeah. 80s was this time of showing off. Oh, In I know excess. what it was. it was. It was Pose. I was watching Pose. Okay. And they were talking about how the 80s was the time to show off your riches, the time to wear the watch that costs as much of a car, yeah. as a car and to live on the you know 45th floor instead of exactly. the 25th floor. That's 
kind of what seems to be in the back of his brain is enough is not enough. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's like you said, it's a warning sign to instead of chasing the million dollars for the rock that he is chasing in this movie, mm-hmm. he thinks he's going to be able to sell this stone, this strange ass MacGuffin. Yeah. <laughs> for a million bucks. And ultimately um, he gets less. I don't want to get into exactly how mm-hmm. much or how whatever. Yeah. But even less, Kevin Garnett even points out to him, is still quite a bit of money. And yet he's when he's talking about it, he's talking about it as if he just took a loss. Yeah. Which he didn't. Yeah. Which this movie as going back to what I said before, this movie just feels like very timeless. Mm-hmm. Like visually, sound wise, very 70s, but like what we just talked about with the 80s rich in excess but very pre- very much for present day with what we're you know seeing with basketball it's set almost 10 years ago now like it's set yeah. mostly in 2012 yeah and yet it feels like it could have been made from like you said like last week or the 80s yeah. or the 90s which is pretty pretty awesome to have a movie <laughs> just like shapeshift yeah. like that you know yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. nuts um i think the one thing that i was most impressed with this movie um kind of going back to what i was saying about how so many of the films we see now um, are unsurprising, fun, wonderful, rewarding, mm-hmm. but unsurprising is the stakes in this movie. You have to be engaged in this movie. Uh, yeah. The sta- yeah. Like at every turn, yeah. this movie lays your- down higher and higher stakes. Like, you know, yeah. they go to auction for this rock and you're holding your breath as to how the auction's going to go. He's got to go up to an apartment and take care of something and that doesn't go the way you think it's going to be. And it's like, okay, how is this whole lie going to be uncovered to which of his multiple family members mm-hmm. that are surrounding this point? Yeah. The money that he owes and twice in this film, the bet that he makes that or that somebody tells him is an insane bet to make. I know. The, the stakes in this movie, you're just every time you're like, holy shit, we're doing this. Yeah. That's and bloody tastic. Yeah, it's like a choose your own adventure and choosing the worst option <laughs> every time. You know, skipping ahead and being like, which I will one take, is the hardest? I will take the box full of snakes. <laughs> you sure you don't want the teddy bear? No, box full of snakes. That is this movie. Yeah. You know, and just every time you think, all right, we got past that one. We're okay now. Nope. No, no, no. Yeah. At least, like off the top of my head, at least five times in this movie. We are in high stakes situations. Yeah. That is not, okay, which CG character are we going to kill yeah. and ultimately bring back in the sequel? You know, <laughs> besides high stakes situation that we're not even talking about at the end of this movie. Oh my. Yeah. Right? Oh, That's, yeah. That is the thing that makes oh, this is that on the one hand. That ending. Yes. Damn. On the one hand, yes, this movie is cool. And yes, this movie, I can see how it would appeal to like the kind of person who loves like Scarface. Yeah, you know, absolutely. But unlike Scarface, it's not you know a gong show in a cool packaging. You know, it is a really good story, really well executed. Um, and I'm, I'm really seriously, I did not know what we were going to be sitting down for today. When I when I asked you under this show, I yeah. thought I thought to myself, this is going to be like this might be a shit show of a conversation. <laughs> I really did not know. I didn't read too too much about it. 
I had friends who saw it during TIFF and who just said they simply really liked it, but I didn't really engage in much conversation. Um, and uh, I'm so glad I got to go see this because this was, uh, it was stressful and it was fun. <laughs> and it made me angry and it, it like, checked off so like switched so many emotions as i was watching this like it, it did this what is good, worth your money yeah like, it did what good film down. is supposed to do right yeah. that, and that's the thing is like i feel like while we're getting things that are entertaining we're not getting things that are really um eliciting an emotional reaction kind yeah. of back to what i was saying about like documentaries that make you like films that make you cry yeah. you're saying no documentaries make you cry i don't know somebody might cry watching this there's there's sad stuff that happens yeah but you're you're certainly going to feel your heart rate rising and your eyes widening and everything that yeah. that a good film is supposed to do. I liked how engaged I was. I couldn't watch this movie and and maybe you know people check their phones in this and you can't do that in this <laughs> no. movie. You're going to miss the smallest thing that's yeah. going to you're yeah. going to regret yeah. not knowing was there. But talked about this movie as a car crash mm -hmm. or as Curry Vindaloo, you will also miss some of those smaller moments. Between like Arno and Howie when they share that look across yeah. the table or between Julia and Howie. I mean, Howie's in every scene of this movie. Yeah. That's bananas. Yeah. You know, to, to carry an entire film on your shoulders. And to see those flickers of when Howie is hustling and he's in control, when Howie's hustling and he's out of control, when he's just flat out desperate. There's, you know, you, yeah. if you turn your head away and you look at your screen, you're going to miss a lot of the subtleties in this movie as as loud and brash as it is mm -hmm. it's still packed with a lot of subtleties yeah oh my god i know there was a point where the guy beside me went to the washroom and i was <laughs> wanted to shout like where are you going? <laughs> dude you're gonna miss so much <laughs> exactly come back and he's in a trunk and you don't know why i know Oh, that was a great moment. Come back she had to like, yeah, 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 no. yeah, yeah. I locked my keys in the trunk, and then you open it up, and there's your husband oh, naked there in the he trunk. Is. And 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 just who happens to have an outfit handy? I mean, how often has this happened to him? <laughs> That's what I have to wonder. <laughs> this movie's incredible. We it's end so every conversation here on the matinee cast with a souvenir, something tangible or intangible. If you could take away from this movie and keep, you would. There is a lot of cool shit in this movie. Kelly Zimnikas, what is your souvenir from Uncut Gems? Oh, it's that dress scene, man. Because I, <laughs> I lived that two years ago. <laughs> so you know that feel. You know, like, the entire family, like, pouring in to see her. And they're all, like... My mom did... I, when I told her, because I wore a pantsuit... Right. ...to our high school prom boat cruise thing. Our high school. Like, <laughs> 200 and some odd episodes in, that's we the went. first time our prom has come up at all. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> um, but my mom's, she was like, there's no way you're going to fit into that. Cause it wasn't like a skirt. Right. That's a pantsuit. Right. And you're like challenge accepted. Like, same, I mean, same thing it. with Dina's dress. Yeah. Like Dina's dress isn't this really billowy it's thing. It's hilarious. And it's this moment of pride. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, her character has, has had kids, you know, her body's changed. I've had no children, but my body has changed since yeah. I was 18. Yeah. Um, but that moment when I put that on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> love it. That was great. <laughs> um, my souvenir is I want that Knicks championship ring. I could give a shit about yeah. that, that Celtics championship ring, which is just like encrusted with a zillion and one diamonds and emeralds. Yeah. That Knicks championship ring, because 
it's another one of those little subtleties to this movie is you kind of need to know that the Knicks haven't won a championship since then. Mm-hmm. So for a New York basketball fan, that's the equivalent of like a Maple Leaf 67 Stanley Cup ring. Right. That thing has cachet that no matter when eventually the Knicks get their shit together and win another championship, that will be the one mm-hmm. that, that things. So one, I'd love to know how the hell he got it, but now I want it. <laughs> You know, that, that's, yeah. that's the thing is that if I'm his pawnbroker, he's not getting that back. Um, we rate here on the matinee cast on a scale of one to four stars. Um, Kelly Zimnickus, Uncut Gems, what do you give this movie? Oh, four stars. This is a four star movie. This is one of the best movies of last year. This is so incredible. Good. We both know how you could bail on this movie after 30 minutes, but we beg of you stick with it because this thing is just bonkers. It's worth in the, the ride. best way. Oh, my God. Um, hey, maybe you're one of the people who just could not stand it. Um, let it me know. We're Ryan at matinee.ca. Maybe you think it was amazing, and I should have brought it up on the last show when we talked about the year-end stuff. Um, again, yeah, let me know. Ryan at matinee.ca. If you loved it or you hated it, what did you think of Uncut Gems? We are going to take a very quick break and come on back after this with uh, other films. Uh, join us again, won't you? Is this like free of anything? Is this like like sugar free or gluten free or vegan? Oh, there's a shit ton of sugar. In awesome, yeah. perfect. Yeah, no. Kelly has broken out the halva. Um, oh, welcome back, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of things Jewish, that has two thirty nine. We've been talking about uncut gems. Um, Kelly hosts a video series about baking called "It'll Be Fine," and she has brought some of her wares. Yeah. with us. I'll have to embed the episode where you bake the halva. Yeah, the halva is coming out uh, January uh, 16th. Uh, episode 11 is our this halva, is halva episode. episode. Yeah. And and it is more than fine, so thank you very much You're for that. She's Kelly Zimnickus. I'm Ryan McNeil. It's Matt Nakecast 239. We've been talking about um, Uncut Gems, uh, an incredible movie that's out right now uh, in a few theaters, and it's going to be playing on Netflix in uh, around the end of January, so if you... Uh, don't like to go outside in this crummy weather. It's okay. This movie's coming to you. Um, but this is a part of the show where we talk about, we've, we've mentioned a few already, but um, other films that if somebody liked or maybe even didn't like Uncut Gems, what would make some good uh, further reading? Um, so why don't you get us going? What was one of the movies that you thought about coming away from this little opus? Um, not so much in... in um the same kind of subject matter, but the feel, the conversation okay. came to mind. The music in this movie really took me back to that that era. Because the music at first I found quite jarring. I was wondering, like, what am I listening to? And it took me out of the movie for a little bit of a second, and mm-hmm. then I settled back down. Mm-hmm. But definitely the conversation came to mind. Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman, 1974, Francis Ford Coppola, um, I mean, it's it's a it might not even be the best Francis Ford Coppola movie in 1974 because the guy released The Godfather too, the same year. <laughs> Jesus, it's his like side B. Yeah, you know, his songs have the B It was side. his side hustle. Oh yeah, exactly. I'm also working on this movie. Unchained Melody, I believe, was a side B for the yeah. yeah. So it's his Unchained Melody. Yeah. Um, it's um, <laughs> he. You know, it's it's kind of like. Um, it's in the same vein as a movie like Blow Up or the American version Blowout, where 
there's um, kind of a, a mystery, a crime at the center of a story. Yeah. And we really, we, we watch a character who just can't let it go. Yeah. And he's just listening. Yeah. He's listening to those conversations. And if I'm not mistaken, the sort of sequel was a movie with Will Smith. They, was it Enemy of the... S yeah, they made... Um, it's kind of a spiritual sequel to it because he's playing... They're like cousins. Yeah. It's a film cousin, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's a movie where somebody can't let something go, right? Whether it was mm -hmm. so in, in Uncut Gems, we've got Howie with the stupid rock and yeah. making this deal. In the conversation, we've got um, Gene Hackman as Harry Call, who's... I mean, it's not even something affecting him. It's not even a, a crime against his family or his relationship. But he, he's a contractor. Yeah. And he's just like, no, no, there's something wrong here. And he I'm becomes just, obsessed. Yeah. That obsessive personality that, again, that addictive, you know, I want more of that. Yep. Yeah. It opens with this incredible long shot over this plaza in, I want to say it's San Francisco, um, where you don't even fully realize what you're looking at right right you hear conversations going on but because you're so far back mm -hmm. it could be anybody it could be that couple sitting on the fountain it could be that those people over there on the yeah. bench it could be those and i mean and you have to really kind of like what you're saying about uncut gems you have to pay attention mm -hmm. to those subtleties because that's what this movie, mm -hmm. whole movie is going to hang itself on mm -hmm. when's the last time you watched this movie uh, probably about 10 years ago, yeah. I lost time I saw it. But I mean, it sticks with you, right? It definitely does. Yeah. Yeah, that, that movie packs a punch. Um, yeah. you, we were talking about the sound of Uncut Gems and how that scores is mm -hmm. so important, along with that really jazzy soundtrack that's on um, the conversation. It's a movie that hangs itself on sound, right? Mm -hmm. like you really have to listen yeah. because that's he's listening, and he's listening for those little clues. Yeah. It's an interesting sound this movie has on Cut Gems that that I was very thrown by. Yeah, but, and, and but I, I liked it. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I, like I, it's one of those things. Seventies. One of those things of why would you see something in a theater as opposed to just watching it on your phone? Well, you can listen to it the way that they mean you to listen to it. Um, I, you know, not in the same way, but I just recently went to Lightbox to watch um, Cape Fear. The, the Scorsese remake of oh. Cape Fear specifically, which is not good um, and, is, <laughs> and is aging very badly. But the cool thing about seeing it in a the theater was I realized how bombastic that score is supposed to be. You know, that bum, bum, bum. It's, it's just really meant to make the walls shake. Mm -hmm. And if you're watching it at home, you might just think that your levels are all off. It's like, no, 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 that's not a bug. That's a right. feature. Um, <laughs> I think the first movie that came to mind for me, um, and it's kind of an easy pull, but it was where I wanted to start, was... Um, 2003 movie Punch Drunk Love. Yes. Also starring Adam Sandler. Also him playing it relatively straight. Um, also him working with a director who knows what he's doing um, in Paul Thomas Anderson. It's a curious little Paul Thomas Anderson movie because it's kind of a comedy, but kind of not. Yeah. Um, he That movie as well is really brash and loud and has a strange mm -hmm. score that's playing under everything in that one it's it's john bryan you've seen that movie you've yeah oh that's a great film i, I feel like it kind of got that's a great lost great in the shuffle when people talk about the movies from this century that's a one that's one that doesn't come up very often this has been my take on sandler i know a lot of people hate him because they see the the grown-ups and the jack and jill and yeah. all the really dumb shit yeah. that he makes 
50 first dates. Well, Ouch. I mean, yeah, yeah. But I mean, at least, <laughs> at least then like he's, he's playing into, into something, right? But what I've always said is a lot of times he will try to play it straight. He'll try to be the more normal version of himself on screen. And the movies fail him, right? So I'm thinking of stuff like, even this is going to sound strange to say, but a movie like Spanglish, where mm. he's he's the, he's just the father of a family and mm-hmm. just trying to get his shit together. He's working with James Brooks, right? James Brooks should know what he's doing. The movie sucks. Men, women, and children. He's working. He's a again. He's the father of a family, trying to navigate the weirdness of the internet showing up and changing the way we do everything. Uh, his wife is doing one thing. His kid is doing something terribly different. He is doing something altogether different, and the internet is what's driving all of it. Jason Reitman movie, Oscar nominee, two-time Oscar nominee, Jason Reitman. The movie sucks. Yeah. Every- it again goes back to, like, earlier, having the ingredients and it just not yeah. gelling. I'm like, I yeah. can't blame the guy <laughs> for making Jack and Jill if every time he tries a little harder, the movie fails him. I mean, at mm-hmm. least this time with Uncut Gems, the movie did not fail him. No. And... It's getting money and it's getting acclaim, so maybe this will build a little bit of momentum, and we can see this other side of Adam Sandler that we saw in Punch Drunk Love, where he's this sweet passive weirdo who has anger management problems. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I want more of this Adam Sandler. Yeah, it's so good and so. Go back and work with Paul Thomas Anderson again. You know, keep keep working with these people because they clearly know their stuff and bringing out. The right parts of you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You haven't seen that movie in a while, yeah? Punch Drunk Love? Uh, it's been a long time. Um, but uh, in knowing I was going to do this, I, I made a note that I'm going to go pick it up and, ah, and nice. see it again. So, it, again, it's it's one yeah. of those ones. It's um, The sound of it is awesome. That, that score that plays underneath yeah. it. Uh, I remember visually it being quite striking. And, yeah. And, oh, it's lush. It's yeah. really bright. He's got on this, this cobalt yeah. blue suit. Yeah, the yeah. whole time, um, it keeps from scene to scene. You've got these like watercolors that work as transitions. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know how to get to the next thing. Yeah. So and it's just Emily Watson, right? Yes, who plays alongside him? Yes, yeah, yeah. It's oh, and so and um, and God bless him, Bill Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, as, as the as the oh. uh, sex hotline hustler in the background, making <laughs> his life difficult. Oh so my good. God, so good! In one of the best Bill Seymour Hoffman freakouts ever. Um, oh, I love that movie so much. <laughs> this movie made me think of that movie. I would totally watch the two of them together. Yeah, because they are definitely two, they are two different sides of Sandler too. Yep. You know, he's not playing the same guy in both. <laughs> the one that I thought of actually in um, in relation to this movie, which actually would go quite nicely with the conversation as a double feature, is I went back to 1973 and I thought about The Sting. Oh yeah, um, another Absolutely. big heist movie. Um, Best Picture, 1973. With uh, Paul Newman and Robert Redford, both at their young and hot stage, Redford especially, um, it's all about a heist. It's all about ripping off a bad guy and how that all needs to come together. You know, Robert Shaw is the mark in this one. So if you've ever wanted to see Captain Quint from Jaws get ripped off by a whole bunch of, (laughs) by by like an Ocean's Eleven type crew, um, I think the two would work together because... Both movies are all about that big score, right? Yeah. And while Howie is going about his in this really, you know, careening way that's just barely staying on the road, 
the sting is all about them knowing the ins and outs of how mm -hmm. to how to rip people off. It's a bunch of really good crooks building a very elaborate hoax. Yeah, um, you, you've seen that one, I'm sure. It's been a while, yeah. but I have. Yeah, yeah, um, it's a classic. I love that yeah. one so much. And I mean, it's 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 again, it's those '70s movies that are a little bit more patient. They're a little bit more quiet. The Sting also has a great score. Mm -hmm. This is the show of great scores, <laughs> right? Um, the Tron had a great score. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the, the, the score for this thing is The Entertainer. If you aren't familiar with The Entertainer, first mm -hmm. of all, I'll put a, a link for the show notes. But it's mm -hmm. that song that will get stuck in your head. And they bring it in mm -hmm. and out of the movie uh, with, with, with great yeah. aplomb. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of these movies, it's nuts because I feel like a lot of these movies are sort of getting lost in the age of streaming because yeah. it's harder to find them. Like you were mentioning earlier on the show, going to Bay Street Video mm -hmm. and picking stuff up off the shelves. Yeah. If your platform of choice doesn't have the license for the sting or the conversation or even Punk Strength Love, it's, you know, it takes a little bit more effort to track them down. It does. I find going to the video store. I had this stupid revelation when I walked in there for the first time of they're making a lot of movies, which yeah. is such a silly thing to think. <laughs> but I don't, I'm a Netflix girl and, and I can scroll through Netflix for so many minutes before I'm, you know, blinded by what I'm looking at. But that act of going to the store and seeing these covers and reading the back and I'm just going to pick this and I truly do pick things at random. I'll get one or two that I'm focused on and just pick one just for fun. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it's nice to go there and just kind of immerse yourself in whatever, all these other things that are, are being made. And It gets you away from your algorithms, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, even within the, the platforms that we use, whether it's Netflix or Disney Plus or, or Hulu or Apple. what have you, mm -hmm. Uh, or Apple, thank you. Um, they are looking at what you're watching and what you're browsing, and they're trying to tailor a selection that's to your taste, which is great yeah. if it mean you know if it means you get more stuff that works for you. But you never get outside of yourself, mm -hmm. whether it's time or budget. Like, like I'm, by time, I mean era mm -hmm. or budget or country of origin. A, a, an actual library of sorts, whether it's a bricks and mortar yeah. store or literally a library, is much better for, for, for finding this stuff. Absolutely. I think you should give yourself a challenge of, of just picking something at random, going down to the video store. I like it. Or even on Netflix. Yeah. Pick something that is not recommended. It's not a good match for you, supposedly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and just challenge yourself and watch something maybe with a subtitle if you're not that kind of person. Or, I, did, I did like yeah. uh, Bong Joon-ho said this this week. He said, uh, you know, if you can get over that one-inch wall. It's so true. Yeah. There's a film called uh, The Lunchbox. I love that book. I love that movie. That movie is freaking fantastic. Oh, that movie. And I think oh, My mom and I went to see it on a whim at the Mel Pleasant. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I think they're going to need to give us a royalty. I know. And, um, <laughs> but I like doing that. I like, uh, you know, like the description of it. Just went to go see it. It's, it's such a great, uh, thing to do to see a film from another culture. Uh, maybe in the genre you like, I knew it was going into it. It was a bit of a comedy 
That movie is so good. It, it's getting outside yourself, right? Like off yeah. the top of this show, I mentioned like resolutions and changing and challenges and all that kind of thing. I mean, that I think is how we get better is getting... We I, get I listen, to know each other better that yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, listen, I am a creature of habit. If you are looking for me on a morning or a lunch hour, there is one spot to look. And, and it's <laughs> if I'm not there, you know, the, that kind of thing. If I'm, call, if I'm coming to your cafe, yeah. odds are I'm going to be ordering the same thing every time. That's okay, but, but push yourself just this much mm-hmm. and it will be so much more yeah. rewarding. The world's full of so many great stories. Agreed. Yeah. Absolutely agreed. Thank you. That is episode 239 of the ACAST. I'm so thankful. Um, Kelly Zanick is coming by. Uh, Come on back on Monday, January 27th for episode 240. I'm not quite sure what we're going to talk about yet. We might talk about the two popes. Um, We might talk about Just Mercy. I might talk about Les Miserables. Um, I'll figure it out in between now and then. So uh, surprise at the end of January. Um, Kelly is working on all kinds of stuff. So... um, uh, on Instagram, you can find me. Uh, my handle is the Latvian Foodie. On Twitter, I'm at Aya Green, and Aya is spelled A I J A G R E E N. I don't have a website, so those are the easiest ways to follow my comings and goings. I do stand up. I'm a documentary filmmaker. I write for Chatelaine, so. You, you, are, you, you are everywhere. You, you know. I am. I'm city TV in days gone by. <laughs> um, there's also the YouTube series that we mentioned. The YouTube series, it'll be fine. A baking show, um, which that whole concept is taking a recipe I've never made before, but trusting it's going to work out. I, I applaud you because baking <laughs> is hard. Baking's very scientific, yes, and I'm I, very rebellious, and I don't use the right ingredients. Right. I am, <laughs> I, am, I am a cook, and I like being a cook because cooking is jazz. You're you're absolutely correct. Yeah. Baking is science, mm-hmm. right down to like the humidity in your room. Yeah. I'm like, screw that shit. I, I don't. Have, I, yeah. I can't. I can't. I am. I'm like deeply in awe of who I married because she has infinite patience for that kind of thing. And she, I'm gonna hazard a guess. She follows the rules and does like exactly. she writes her own damn rules. She okay. figures out. She she's figures a rebellious- out what. Yeah, she's what she's reading, the rules too. are wrong. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to have her on your show. She'll be on. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> documentary i'm doing is called no responders left behind uh we're on twitter so you can follow us uh on on the twitter um we are currently talking to people so hopefully this year we're gonna have a home on a movie screen or a tv screen um and that documentary focuses on a man named john feel uh who is a 9-11 first responder now advocate and the work that he's done alongside uh, Daily Show host John Stewart, and uh, an immense amount of first responders, um, to get the government to pay attention to them because they have. Someone in the film used this line of "they've gone from being heroes to being victims," which is so true. And the fact is, you can think, okay, 9/11's been almost 20 years now. It's in it's in my back memory, you know, it's stored back there. For these men and women, it's something they deal with every single day, and they are going to get sicker and sicker as the years go on, which is pretty astounding. So hopefully this will just bring to light um, the struggles that they're still having. We'll include uh, a link to um, what you can see about Kelly's work so far, and I'm sure there's feeds that people can follow to follow that project as well. And uh, in case I hadn't mentioned it, congratulations on that, because that is unbelievably impressive and um, deeply inspiring. Good work. 
um, my meager little project, the MrMatinee.ca. Uh, I don't make, I don't do stand-up, but I write. Um, you can find audio content for back episodes of this show by going to the matinee.ca slash podcasting. You can find them on uh, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Stitcher Radio, Blueberry, um, whatever pa- Apple is doing with podcasting these days. Um, everything gives you handy ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. If you're on some sort of podcatcher that my show is not on, let me know and I will put it there. Um, feedback on uncut gems can be left in the comment section of the site. You can email Ryan at the matinee.ca, Twitter where I'm matinee underscore CA or facebook.com slash dark matinee. That's my long ass version of click like and subscribe. YouTubers, you get to say it in like one sentence, four words. I gotta give a whole, I, I need to rethink this shit. <laughs> Any final thoughts before I let you go? See more movies. Yes. Well said. For Kelly, I'm Ryan. We'll see you at the matinee.